The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Covey blue blood flowing through our veins Sitting in the bleachers in the rain We've shed a million tears and drank as many old-style beers out at the game Let's go, Cubby Sun Rental Sun Rental Sun Rental and the lovable Lucille Sun Rental Sun Rental Sun Rental and the Sunranto. Hey, it's Danny Rocket. I can't do it as good as Lyle or as uh, good as, as uh, Michael Cotton, but uh, that's, as, that's what you get today because it's a special uh, interview episode. And uh, as part of our off-season uh, series, I thought it would be a good idea to give the other guys a little bit of time off. Uh, from you know doing the daily kind of grind of the cub season and just go down to like uh, well one or two episodes a week depending on whether there's any breaking news or anything but uh, I would take the time to interview some of like the most influential bloggers and podcasters and tweeters and facebookers and all that stuff um, and get to know everybody a little bit better so my the first guest I decided uh, w- makes a lot of sense uh, is one of my favorite people on earth and that's uh cory finnerin from the the host from the ivnv podcast so welcome to the show cory hey thanks dan you know what um i was really disappointed that you didn't let me uh do the lyle yell at the beginning oh, you want to try but... it you want to try it because mine sucked no it's okay because then you called me influential so i'm okay <laughs> with that i'll take influential over being able to scream <laughs> well most uh, screamers uh, are also influential as we can tell from our <laughs> current political situation um, you know, this is kind of because we know each other pretty well now and we got to know each other over the last few years. And I, I kind of feel like this is like when uh, Johnny Carson would interview like Bob Hope on the Tonight Show. <laughs> Very similar right, like, feeling. Like we're going to end up talking. Well, I mean, we talked on the phone yesterday and we had we had a, uh, you know, a topic that we needed to discuss. And uh, an hour later we were talking about something completely different. So the same thing could happen today, I think. Yeah, well, that's kind of – that's. I think that's more interesting because everybody hears us talk about the Cubs all the time, and I thought we could, like, talk kind of around the Cubs about, like, you know, kind of get to know you a little better. I mean, you know, you're you're a popular man within the Cubs Cubs world, and, you know, everybody wants to know who that – the enigma of Corey Fennerin truly is. <laughs> right. Does that guy really have chickens? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just for the podcast. <laughs> you just have a, you don't really have chickens. You just like make chicken noises in the background sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take pictures at your friend's chicken house, photoshop yourself into into chicken coops and stuff just to to stay popular with the farm people. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's an image that I have to uphold. You know? <laughs> it's important. I mean, farmers are everything. Without them, <laughs> we'd die. Um, but uh, yeah, well, what we were talking about yesterday was that we're throwing uh, the Cubs 
kind of convention alternative party, which we do it. We don't have a snappy name for it. That's for sure. The Cubs convention alternate party. <laughs> it's like I think I think it, man. It just it 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 makes me interested the second that I hear it. I'm like, wait, I got to know more about this. <laughs> Boy, that's an awkward phrase. What is going on there? <laughs> it must be good if it's if it's phrased that awkwardly. <laughs> so uh, on January 14th, we're going to throw a little party together for all those people that didn't get Cubs convention tickets and um, or people that go to the Cubs convention and want to skip bingo and come hang out with us up by Wrigley Field, maybe take a picture in front of the marquee that says Cubs World Champions or, you know, check the sale rack at sports world or whatever it is. Um, so we're going to be getting going on that on uh, January 14th at G man tavern, which is, and we'll start around what five o'clock. And you said you were going to plan on doing like a live IVNV podcast. I think, think, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, obviously a lot of the details are kind of up in the air, but we're thinking, uh, maybe we'll do, um, a live, uh, recording there. Um, and, uh, that, that's all. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of up in the air. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if Kurt's going to be able to make it. Hopefully he does, so all three of us can be there. But that's um, that's one of the things that we have planned. I, I think you should make a giant life-size cutout of Kurt and then, <laughs> and then you know, hire a homeless guy to play him. And right. just well, like luckily, I already have one. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. That, that, that was a, that's the Christmas present that keeps on giving, huh? I just put it over in the corner, like kind of, you know, standing around the the corner and just always just peeking at me at all times. Kind of like the annoying boss that's always looking over your shoulder at what you're doing. (laughs) Right. right. It helps me motivate. Stay on track. Um, Yeah, we had an idea. We were going to try to raise some money for charity. We're looking into some charities that we might want to support and we're thinking about, you know, doing something along the lines of youth baseball, maybe in underserved neighborhoods in Chicago. Uh, Cubs Charities does a lot of work with those guys, but we're trying to maybe dig in and try to get more personal. Uh, so if you know, if anybody out there that's listening to this knows of a, you know, of a great uh, youth baseball organization, or even you know somebody that does it, an exchange with the Dominican Republic, or you know something like that, you know, some kind of thing we can sponsor, because I don't think we're going to raise a lot of money. And if we just give right. if we just give the Cubs a couple hundred bucks, they're gonna be like, "Oh, thanks, you like paid for like, you know, our Friday pizza party." <laughs> you know, that's all you did. But uh, but I know that a, li- a couple hundred bucks can go a long way to a uh, lot of organizations that don't have any money. Like to be as direct as possible. Yeah, well, and I mean, I'm I'm the president. I mean, I'm not saying that we should donate it to where I'm from because we have too many Cardinals fans in this area. But um, <laughs> You know, I, I'm the president of our local little small town baseball association. And I mean, we're, we operate on no, nothing. Um, and like, we don't even have equipment, the right equipment for everything. We have umpires like holding up janky for chest protectors. And I mean, um, I know, you know, and so that might be something to think about is maybe a smaller town outside of the Chicagoland area. Um, because, um, yeah, there's obviously we, our town is so small. We don't have any any businesses in town to have like a corporate sponsor to help us or anything like that. So, yeah, preferably a town that's been really hard hit by a, like a meth epidemic or something. Right, like, right. So probably in the Joliet area. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, somewhere near a prison would be good, I think. <laughs> um, a lot of families relocate when their when their person gets sent away. Um, right. No offense to anybody in the Joliet area. I, I'm just joking. Yeah, they'll get out soon, Joliet. They'll get out soon. 
Uh, but yeah, so uh, but also the other thing I wanted to bring up that maybe if you had uh, like a like an autograph ball or a bobblehead that you don't really want or you would be find a part with that's worth something that maybe you'd want to raffle off as part of like a package we'd put together in order to raise a little bit more money in like a silent auction or a raffle or something like that. As, you know, we're still putting it all together, but for example, like uh, Lyle will likely give away some gift certificates. For um, his restaurants, um, I know that uh, my girlfriend Nicole said she's going to give away a trapdoor season pass. Oh, nice! To, to somebody, and you could, you know, we'll put that as part of a package. Maybe a dinner and a dinner and a play package kind of thing. I don't know, something like that. But either way, if you have any ideas or, or can contribute in any way uh, to, you know, the ideas of what we're going to do on January fourteenth over at G Man, uh, I don't know, hit hit us up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a fun night because. I think, you know, it was very it's very difficult for anyone to get tickets to Cubs convention. I haven't even looked at the secondary market, but I honestly don't know anyone uh, that, that got tickets to go to Cubs convention this year. And um, I think that, you know, there's people that still want to I mean, we all still want to celebrate a World Series win. And I think there's a lot of people that listen to our podcast and listen to your podcast that would like to hang out and just kind of celebrate up in the Wrigleyville area. Uh, on that weekend. And um, another thing that we're, we're probably going to do is show like game seven of the world series. So we can all kind of hang out and relive the ups and downs of that game. <laughs> Sounds magical. Br- bring your defibrillator. <laughs> right. um, but let me correct you on something, Corey. Um, we have a lot of listeners that listen to your podcast that also listen to my podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't think we have any listeners of our podcast that don't listen to your podcast. I, I'm pretty sure that we may, we may have like two people. That right. Somehow, well, I'm talking to those two. Yeah. Those two guys. You know, I mean, Danny, you're a good podcaster. You know that, that when you talk on a podcast, you need to act like you're talking to a single person. You're talking to one listener and, and that's who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> Podcasting 101 with Corey Fitterin. Um, you should give classes. I, I know I should probably take a few. Um, so uh, I thought that we'd start. So, yeah, come on, on January 14th. So uh, we already started, but I thought we'd start uh, the actual podcast portion of this podcast by uh, playing a little game. Well, I mean, we know each other well, um, but I, I don't think we know everything about each other, um, even though you have the other ha- half of my locket right now um (laughs) but but you know that was just you know to a getting to know you locket present but um i was thinking we'd play a game called two truths and a lie are you familiar with this game yeah i'm familiar with it i haven't i haven't done it in a really long time and i used to i was thinking this morning when you brought it up to me i was like oh okay i'll I'll just do my my go-to ones um, and then I realized that I hadn't done this since probably like my junior year of high school because they were no longer interesting. <laughs> so I had to go to my mom and say, help me figure this out. I, I can't remember any like unique things or things that are truth, but sound like a lie. So you're like, I failed math class in seventh grade. <laughs> right. like, oh, well, I mean, I like my, one of my go-tos, uh, was that, um, I was in sports illustrated um, and actually all I was in was like a crowd shot of, you know, on a cover of sports illustrated, um, except for like, that's, I don't know, that doesn't seem that bizarre anymore, you know, in like 1996, that sounded kind of cool, but yeah, I, I don't was, know. It just I doesn't have the mag- same. 
I mean, it, well, you could say you were actually in a print magazine. Now, that's cool in and of itself, <laughs> right. you know, back when magazines were made of paper. Right. Yeah. So I came up with some new ones. All right. Cool. Well, I think uh, one, uh, do you want to start or should I start? Because I figured this is a competition between us. I, I, I have three. How many do okay. you have? I have I have two truths and a lie. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have three total two truths and a lie. <laughs> oh, I have okay. All right, I, I'll pick. I'll pick one. I'll pick one. We don't have to. Spend... Wait, so you have six truths and three lies? I have six truths and three lies. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll pick the best one. I'll pick the best one, and we'll just go with that. Yeah. I get. I guess I was confused about how this two truths and a lie thing worked. I I just thought in terms of I'm not good at fractions. I just thought in terms of three rounds because you know it's kind of we have the NLDS, oh, gotcha. the NLCS, and then the World Series of two two, two truths and a, a lie. I'm still stuck in the 2016 season, so. But no, look, we'll just do one. Well, I'll pick my best one. Okay. All right, go ahead, go ahead. You do yours first. Okay, so so am I going to give all three at once? Yeah, yeah, and then I got to pick the lie, right? That's okay, how it works. Okay, so uh, my first one is that I have never received a traffic ticket. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, my second one is that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me think here. My second <laughs> one is that I have raised someone from the dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that that could be literally like a dead person that was already dead, and then you like just picked them up. interpret it however you want okay all right all right okay uh my third one is that after september 11th my dad accused me of being a terrorist (laughs) oh i know that one's true um let me see i'm good i I mean the the, raised someone from the dead is the obvious one because like that's not a thing but uh but I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that you're, you're toying with me here. Um, I'm gonna go with traffic ticket. That that's the lie. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Yes. <laughs> now, 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 let's get which a is amazing because you've obviously driven through Ohio before, which uh, I mean everybody gets a traffic ticket in Ohio. I mean they'll pull you over for going three over. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I haven't. Um, I, I received a lot of traffic tickets uh, in my lifetime, but I haven't had. I was thinking about today, and I haven't had one in like twelve or thirteen years. Oh, so you're saying you haven't received a traffic ticket in twelve or thirteen years? No, I was saying because I said that I have never received one, and that was a lie. Oh, that was I a had. lie. So I picked the lie. Yeah, right. Of course, I got you. Um, uh, sorry, you ready for mine? Oh wait, wait, no. First, wait, hold on. <laughs> you, you raise somebody from the dead like what, what is the hell is that i'm like talk about burying the lead <laughs> i thought you were gonna skip over it and i wouldn't have to explain yeah well i figured you raised somebody from the dead being jesus and all see usually people want to know why my dad uh accused me of being a terrorist but i guess if you want to um okay so here's the story <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm telling the, the raising from the dead story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear both <laughs> stories, in fact. Okay, so um, I, for, for a period of time, okay, so I, I um, before I finished college, I moved to Arizona. 
Uh, I lived there for about six months or eight months, something like that. That's where I met Tani. I came back to Illinois to finish college. And um, what I did was, so I lived in the area, kind of where I live now, the Galesburg area. And I was going to school up in the Quad Cities. But I lived here because my grandpa uh, lived in Galesburg. He had Alzheimer's. And in order to kind of keep him at home a little bit longer, um, I lived in town here to be able to take care of him, give him his pills and all that kind of stuff. Basically kind of take the place of like the nursing needs that he had. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what I did was, okay, so my great aunt also lived in town and she was, she was, you know, I don't know, probably mid nineties or something. And she had like an apartment above her house. So I just lived up there for free and she wasn't doing well. And, uh, we were able to keep her at home, but I mean, she was basically bedridden and, uh, it was just a matter of time. You know, she had a lot of issues. And so she had 24 hours, uh, you know, around the clock nurses. So <clears throat> there was this nurse that I always knew whether, when I got home, I always knew whether or not my aunt was having a good day or a bad day, because if it was a bad day, no matter what the temperature was outside, this one nurse left a window open like cracked open. And she believed that if someone passed away, apparently their soul needed to get out of a, through a window. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what she, how she explained. I don't know if this is a real thing that people believe in. Um, so anyways, that's how I could usually tell. So one day I came home, the windows open and I was like, Oh, must've been a bad day. So I talked with her and she said, yeah, she's not doing well. Like I really don't think she's going to make it through the night. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go up and go to bed. Just let me know, you know, if you need me to come down, you know, and I went in and talked with my aunt for a while. She definitely wasn't doing well. So I called my family and everything, let them know. So then I go upstairs, I fall asleep and the nurse comes upstairs and she's shaking and crying. And she was like, she's gone. She's gone. I don't know what to do. Like we're trained to do it, but I'm just really upset. And I said, okay. So I go downstairs and, and I, I kind of walk into the room. My aunt's laying there, chest isn't moving. She's not breathing. You know, and I'm like, oh boy. And so I kind of, like, had it. I don't know how to do a test. I don't have like a piece of glass to hold over her face or whatever to see if she's breathing. But it 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 didn't look good at all. Like, just you know how you know how it can look. Yeah. Sure. So De so I kind of lean over her and I kind of put my hand on her. Didn't I wasn't really sensing any sort of life. And I said, uh, I said, Aunt Violet. And she opened her eyes and she said, How are you doing tonight? And I swear to God, I, I, I jumped. I bet. I mean, it, it scared the crap out of me and it took me a while to catch my breath. Um, it, and so apparently it took her a while to catch her breath too. Right? So, so that, that, that's my story of raising someone from the dead. That's amazing. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to call you the next time somebody's dying next to me that I don't really want to die. Right. Be like, right. summon Corey Fitterin. <laughs> <laughs> he brings yeah. people. I mean, uh, well, all you really had to do apparently to, uh, according to that nurse was just close the window. Right. And then yeah. Traps their spirit in the room. And then, you know, they're just there forever. Where else, where else are they going to go? But back in the body. Yeah. But they got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? Make a turkey sandwich? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So now why did your dad call you a terrorist? Well. <clears throat> For raising my, the dead. I didn't, probably. I didn't find out about this. Uh, I would guess it was like a couple years later. My mom actually brought it up to me 
and said that uh, he had a list of like nine reasons that uh, he believed I was a terrorist. Um, and what were the, uh, I won't get into all of the reasons because he was partially true, uh, partially right. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> it was just some weird coincidences, basically. I happened to be um, in New York and uh, n very close to the Pentagon exactly one month before 9-11. Um, I had, I actually had, um, I knew, I, I wouldn't say I was friends with in any way, but I had met the uh you know remember the american taliban guy that john walker lind yeah sure yeah so i i uh he was from the chicago area so yeah, i was. had uh i knew him wow uh, and there were just um uh, <laughs> so when i had moved to so i moved to arizona shortly after that and when i came back uh my dad my there was a phone call a message left on my parents phone from Luke Air Force Base, which is in the the Phoenix area, and um, the message was like everything is taken care of. You know, this message is for Corey Finneran. Everything is taken care of. Don't worry about it. There's no reason to call us back, or something like that. And so my dad's like, you know, what's the deal with that? And I was like, I have no idea. I, I seriously had no clue. I've I'd never been to Air, Luke Air Force Base. I knew nothing about it. I have no clue. Uh, but of course, he wasn't buying. Uh, you know, buying that. Right. He my, thought, yeah. He, instead he jumped all the way to terrorist. Right. <laughs> right. There, there were several other things that he thought, Oh, and right after. And so when I moved to Phoenix, you know, I'd lived in smaller areas all the time and I saw like all the, you know, police helicopters and uh, you know, all, all um, you know, uh, traffic helicopters and everything. And so I was really interested in maybe becoming like a helicopter pilot. And so I kind of looked into like some, helicopter pilot schools and things like that so apparently you know back in 2001 2002 somebody just out of the blue deciding they wanted to pilot something uh that was a little suspicious right it was so. it's it's all adding up to me i mean <laughs> oh yeah if he would have if i would have seen that uh list that he came up with and i didn't know the person that it was about you know written about like oh i would i would absolutely believe it it looked, it looked really shady. <laughs> well, a good thing he never reported you because you would have had some splaining to do. Well, I don't know that he didn't. Oh, that's great. So so basically, uh, I guess what you've just told the listening audience is that your father isn't too familiar with who you are as a person. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, he's, let's just say he's a very skeptical person. I haven't quite earned his trust yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, at least you have a father. Let's <laughs> be happy. And, uh, uh, well, that's actually who my what my first uh, two, two truths and a lie is about. I won't go into the other ones. I'll save them for other episodes because I plan on playing this with like you know Evan Altman. Possibly I can get Andy or Kurt on the show too. You know, at oh, yeah. some point, you know, I'd love to like talk to people individually. It's so so much nicer to do like a one on one. It you know, right. I fucking hate fucking lyle or michael chiming in oh yeah they just oh just get in the way yeah really. it's like we were having oh. a perfectly good conversation until you started talking right co-hosts are the worst yeah so um yeah you only need one host and one guest that's really how the world should work you know um but so anyway my two truths and a lie are about my father as well i figured i'd use that one because we're talking about dads here 
Um, so here's my uh, three. Okay. Uh, my father worked at McDonald's when I was a kid. It's number one. Okay. My father went to jail in 1968 for protesting the Vietnam War. It's number two. Okay. My father was a Fulbright scholar who knew nine languages. Okay. So we got McDonald's, I, jail, or Fulbright scholar as the okay. lie. Now, I, I actually have heard you say the third one about your dad, so I know that to be true. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if I had said that live. Yeah. Unless it was like, no, he knew eight languages. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do something <laughs> dickish like that. Uh, so I know that. Okay. So I know that number three is true. I'm going to guess that number two is a lie that he was not arrested to protest the Vietnam war. You're correct. <laughs> he, uh, he did not. So we both got it right. We must know each other pretty well. Um, because we can guess one of three things. Uh, <laughs> no, he was not arrested in 1968, but he did work at McDonald's, uh, because there was no work, there was a huge recession in the early '80s. I don't know if you remember, like '82, right. '83 time. Everybody thinks oh, yeah. of the '80s. You mean the glory Reagan years? Yeah, exactly. Everybody thinks right. of the. It's amazing to me that history has been somehow rewritten. That the '80s were this awesome time where everybody had lots of money and did cocaine and lived in Miami. <laughs> right, because right. that's really not how it was for most people. I did. For my dad was unemployed for a long time, so he had two jobs. One was at McDonald's, and one was at Kmart, and they were right next to each other. Like, you know how the Kmart will, like, in its front parking lot have the McDonald's? Right. You know, they still have that everywhere, kind of Walmart, and then you can go to Red Robin or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where he worked when I was a kid. And uh, he would tell me horror stories about having to clean the bathrooms just to let me know, my little 8-year-old butt know, what he was doing to put food in my belly. He's just like, somebody dropped a giant shit and I had to go in there and they clogged the toilet and there was blood everywhere. Like, I mean, I heard some crazy stories. So, and, uh, and the unfortunate thing about that is the fact that, you know, he was also a Fulbright scholar who knew nine languages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, but apparently, um, kids, uh, don't go into languages. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 If you're if you're thinking about majoring in like uh, you know the language arts, I would uh, I'd suggest against it. Pro- so anyway, that was fun. That was fun. It was fun. Now I wish I would have had more. Except for I don't. I, I think you've lived a lot more interesting life than I have. Yeah. Well, the other ones are about me. The other ones are about my dad. But I don't know. It's it, interesting is all relative because, you know, on some of the day, the stories that I have that are now currently interesting, they were actually horrifying to live through. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah, better. like I do not want to look back on my days as a terrorist. I mean, I was just <laughs> uh, the stress. I was, uh, anytime somebody knocked on the door. You know, yeah. is the bomb going to go off early? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. right, right. you know, the funny thing is, I don't think my dad knows that I knew that I know he had a list. Oh, he doesn't know that now. I don't think he does. Oh. We've never talked about it. But, I don't think he listens to your show. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, <laughs> he, he's never posted or called the Sunranto Ranters line anyway. Um yeah, you know what you should do next Halloween then? <laughs> <You know? 
<laughs> I got a costume for you. <laughs> you remember where I live, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably not the best move. You'll probably you'll get shot. You'll just get straight get shot that day. Right, right. Yeah, if you dress like that. Um so I maybe we get into some Cubs stuff. I mean, that's how we know each other. This is a Cubs podcast. You're a Cubs podcaster. Uh, a lot of our friends, most of our friends are Cubs fans. Um, and so I just have it. I have a few questions written down, but I figure the the uh, conversation will just you know go where it goes. Um, now, one thing I've I've wondered about about uh, your the IVNV podcast is that so you're a Cubs fan and you decide to be a Cub become a Cubs podcaster just as the team gets bad. Right, right, right. Incredible so, timing. Now, yeah, so I've been wondering, is that, was that just accidental bad timing, or were you just so smart to know that you'd be in for, like, this long rebuild, <laughs> you'd practice your craft until the moment that, you know, everything culminated, and you just brilliantly calculated the rags-to-riches story you'd be telling over the next seven, eight years? Well, but remember, like, when we started, the rebuild was still – three years away from starting. That's true. Like we, I mean, okay, because think about it. When we start, we started in the off season between 2008 and 2009. That seemed like a great time to get, you know, the Cubs have gone to the playoffs two years in a row. And yeah, just, you know, it, it seemed, we were excited about the Cubs. I wonder like if, if we would have, if this would have crossed our minds in 2011, if we would have been like, yep, let's do it. Let's dedicate all this time to sit around and talk about this team. But at that point, you know, with us starting in, we started in like March of 2009. So, you know, we were already in. And so we just used that opportunity to talk about the minor leagues and, you know, focus on that because a major league club wasn't really worth paying attention to. No, trust me. I was there. <laughs> I, was, right, yeah. I was at the games. It was, it was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I thought found it so interesting because we don't do a lot of minor league stuff on our show, but I always liked listening to you guys, and um, because you really did spend for years, uh, even as even last year, uh, right? In yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. We talked a lot about what was going on in the minors because you know starting in in twenty fifteen, you had uh, Russell was still in the minors and Bryant and Schwarber. Uh, what's that? Schwarber. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, so many of these guys, I mean, still, we were starting to pay attention to Contreras and, and Baez was down there. So, I mean, uh, and Almora, I mean, there was so much of this 2016 team that was still down there. And then as they started coming up in 2015, that's really when we started. I mean, at that point, we didn't have to pay attention to the minors, you know, everything that we had followed and every, everything we were excited about was coming up to the major league club. So this is like, 2016 was the first year that we really did not pay attention to the minors since like, I don't probably five or six years. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I, I found most valuable about your show is that, you know, I mean, what we started doing when we started our podcast was just basically making fun of a really, really bad team. Right. But your show, it was just so informative about like, no guys, there's hope. Like, don't you see like, there's this rebuild process. And I just, I'm, I guess my question really is like, at what point did you a decide to make the move to talking about the minor leagues? Was it like when Soriano got traded? Was it, or was it like, which moment kind of said, Oh, fuck this team. Fuck the Cubs. Like we got to talk about Iowa. We got to talk about Tennessee and Daytona. Well, actually it was, 
actually at that point it was talking about like Peoria, oh, Peoria like yeah. you know, because there wasn't anything in Iowa or there wasn't anything in Tennessee. There was, you know, I, I don't really remember. I think what it was, was early, maybe in like our first or second year, um, we had done an interview with a guy and I can't even remember, remember his name, but he did a, he did a blog called, um, Oh, what was it called? Uh, I can't Wrigley bound. Okay. And I can't remember what his name was. And it was really interesting. And, and talking with him a few times really kind of got me interested in the minors. And then Kurt and I had gone to spring training. And when we were there, we spent a lot of time at the backfields over at um, Fitch, Fitch Park at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really started watching those players and getting to know them. And I think that's really kind of where it came from. I don't think it was like a conscious, like, Oh, this team sucks. Let's pay attention to the minors. It was, I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but like at that time we were kind of excited about watching Brett Jackson and Josh Vitters when they were in low A. So like, you know, we were kind of getting excited about the minors back then as just as, you know, I think at that time, like, uh, you know, uh, blogs, you know, think like 10 years ago, you didn't really, how would you ever find out how, or 10 or 15 years ago, you didn't hear much about the minors. No, it was like uh, once a week, maybe on WGN during the game, they would just show a little like, Hey, let's check in on the farm. And this is how two or three guys are doing this year. Yeah. Social media and blogging and everything. And, and the teams themselves marketing themselves a lot better digitally. Um, you know, it's just so much easier to pay attention. And that's right. When I, I think a lot of that stuff started to happen. So it was easier to pay attention. And I mean, I never, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was really until that point that I paid attention to the draft. I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to anything going on in the minors. I would go watch the Peoria chiefs play, but I didn't really pay too much attention. Yeah. It was just like a day at the ballpark, have a beer, some nachos, call it, call it a nice afternoon, watch the kids roll down the hill. Right. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, at that point, I don't think I really understood like, um, what was what the difference was between just your typical farmhand that's destined to never go past low A and your legitimate prospect? Because we really hadn't seen much of a difference. You know, the Cubs farm system had been so bad for so many years, it all kind of looked the same. And it wasn't until, you know, I think it stood out to me when I saw Baez. Um, we, Andy and I got to interview him when he was with, with Peoria, sat down and talked with him. And then, uh, he went over and took batting practice. And at that point it was like, oh my God, this is, this is what a real prospect looks like. And, and really I think, you know, and then after him, then you had like Vogelbach or I'm sorry, now Vogelback, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to confuse anyone who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that, um, you'll ever confuse anybody when you say Vogelbach, considering he was named that for like six years. or perhaps since birth i don't know exactly um he's like just fucking with us he's like let's troll all the cub fans change my name (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean that's um you know and one thing so i mean in no way am i like a scout but there are times when you see someone you know if you go to a low a game or really any other level of the minors and it's like you see the players and then you see one guy another guy that stood out you know in a massive way for me when i saw him in peoria was um, Solaire, which I think he was, I saw him in Peoria, but I think he was playing for Kane County at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that dude is a man among little boys out there. I mean, he just, 
he looked so much different than everyone else. And the way he played was so impressive. Um, so I really think it was that all of a sudden the Cubs had prospects worth, you know, that weren't, I mean, no offense to him, but like we've had so many prospects over the years that we kind of got excited about. Now you look back on them and really they probably weren't as good as we thought, you know, like a bitters. I mean, there were such, such glaring issues with uh, him as a player and you hoped that they would be able to to develop him into a good player, but um, it just didn't happen. So I think it was just, you know, you see him and then you see Baez or you see Bryant, you know, you see these types of guys in the minors and it's like, Oh, that that's a real prospect there. But, now, do, but, uh, you, do you think that the Cubs' lack of attention to their farm system is one of the main reasons that they choked, like, all those years that they – because they used to always buy – whenever they'd get good, 2007 and 2008, to, for example, they kind of bought their teams. Right. You know, they bought the best players. They had a bunch of veteran guys all looking to make a run at it. But they never – they always lacked that kind – I mean, you, you could say maybe Giovanni Soto – was an exciting right. rookie. But even looking back at him, you're like, well, he was okay. You know, right. he was okay. Yeah. But um, th- do you think that that's one of the main reasons that, like, the team floundered, like, just generation after generation? Yeah, I don't really think – I mean, you know, the, the the last big crop of worthy prospects that I can remember would be from the early and mid-'80s, you know, when you had Mark Grace – and you had, um, you know, like uh, Palmero came up and Maddox. And mm-hmm. uh, that was really, you know, that early, I, I guess, you know, I think of, I saw those guys in the minors like in 84, 85, 83, around in there. And really there was nothing for years and years. And I think that as an organization, the Cubs didn't invest a lot of money into the minor league system. I don't think that they um, – Obviously, they didn't. I don't think they drafted smart. I don't think that they developed players. I just think it was the whole minor league system was like tremendously neglected for a, a long period of time. Um, so yeah, I, I just I think it was kind of like uh, it, it wasn't interesting. I don't think it really was fun to. I mean, I'm trying to think of like like Bobby Hill you know, in Felix <laughs> PA, like that was like, you know, they were the prospects to get excited about, um, like in the early two thousands. So, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it's pretty slim pickings. Um, I, I maybe Alcantara. I don't know if people was, yeah. I don't know if anybody <laughs> no. was ever excited about our as many Alcantara, except for that. We all liked his name quite a bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, so I really enjoy, you know, I still enjoy the minors. One thing, you know, obviously I'm not a scout. I don't, I can't, the one thing that like, I've never really been able to um, watch and identify someone as being better than someone else's with pitching other than you can tell when somebody's not good. But like that, that's one thing that, you know, I always struggled with in going to the minor league games and trying to, even when all these good prospects were coming up and maybe it's the fact that the Cubs didn't really have much in the way of top tier pitching prospects at the time but um well I mean I still have trouble with it on the major league level to be honest I mean when when I see I mean some guys look so incredibly hittable to me and uh, you know uh, for example um who would be a good example uh Kyle Hendricks (laughs) yeah Kyle Hendricks is a great example I was thinking of trying to think of somebody on the other team who is the other guy 
and we did end up hitting him, hitting him. But the guy uh, Bauer, right, Trevor Bauer, yeah, is he the one that pitches the same as Hendricks, kind of? Yeah, I don't think he has anything to blow you away. But like with Hendricks, I mean, you watch him. I mean, you go to Wrigley and watch him, and you're like, or watch on TV, and you're like, how are they? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it does when you start looking at how he's a how he actually goes after hitters and you know his approach and stuff like that it, and his pitch location and everything. But if you're just looking at like speed, yeah, yeah, keep it's it's not impressive to watch him pitch. It's just impressive when you look at the scoreboard and see all the goose eggs up there. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think it's really tough because you know you're. Look at people look at spin rates. The you know we're talking game of millimeters, but how players can like square up a pitch and stuff. That's all start hard stuff to quantify, um, and and to see with your own eyes, unless you have a trained eye towards it. You know, right? Well, I just think it's you know I listen to some other you know like um, well just today I was catching up on podcasts and I was listening to an episode of the Fangraphs podcast. I can't remember who he had on, but he was talking about you know, somebody pitching in the Arizona fall league and how he has, you know, a, a, a good slider and a, you know, a plus change up. And I was like, man, I can't even like identify pitches <laughs> at a ballpark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I can't, the, the only way that I would know how to do it is to look, have a, you know, the, the person's information in front of me and see that like, Oh, if it's between this mile and I, you know, if it's between, you know, 93 and 95, it's, it's this, you know, and I don't know. I just, I, I find it really interesting how scouts are able to, um, I don't know, maybe if I just spent time with one and actually knew what to look for, it would make more sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, any, anything is knowable that is knowable, you know, any, anything that anybody else knows you can also know. And, that's true yeah. yeah but i mean i think it's a lot easier with position players you know like i like we, we for instance just watching bias take batting practice i have seen you know dozens hundreds probably of other minor league players take batting practice and i was like okay that he does something in batting practice that i've really never seen other players do before mm-hmm. you know i think with position players and and uh even in the field i think like it's it's easier to identify, at least for me, it's easier to identify someone that's, that's, um, you know, a top talent where with pitching, I just, I still, I don't know what to look for. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's, I think it's difficult where it's tough to see the, I don't know, maybe the, uh, the electricity of who that player may be, you know, this kind of like the human, I don't know. It's like when you see a movie star, and you and they right. have a certain aura about them or like somebody that's stunningly beautiful you know you're just like oh my god that is a beautiful human being you know like there's there's <laughs> some you know look at their eyes or like whatever it is that catches you you know it's it's easier to see on, on like somebody like Javi Baez uh jack and one you know 500 feet <laughs> you know right. it's it's a little easier to see you know the bat speed for example maybe that's- right that's what stood out to me like when i saw him in batting practice i'm like you know for his in back then like when he was in low way his his movement at the plate his his you know the way he cocked the bat and waved it all around and i mean did his like gary sheffield i mean it was way more pronounced his leg kick was a lot higher than it is now and so then you're looking at it, it's like man look at all that movement and then still look how quickly he gets the bat through the zone. I mean, it just, I hadn't seen anyone forget how, how much the ball jumped off his bat or how far he hit it. It was like, whoa, you could just tell that 
the way that he swung was different than other players. Yeah. Yeah, no, and 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 still to this day, and unfortunately, he still gets back into that old big swing sometimes. But uh, when he connects, it's a beautiful thing. Even when he misses, I think it's a beautiful. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like wow, um, as you feel the breeze on your face. Um, so, uh, to to kind of move on to a, like a bit of a different topic, um, you know, we re- we recently got a pretty big weight lifted off our shoulders as Cub fans. Uh, winning, you know, the World Series. I, I was around for 42 years of the futility. You've been around for, what, 40, 39, 40 years? Yeah. Okay. How long had it been since they won? I, I, I haven't heard. Uh, let me no, – hold on. Let me get my calculator. Let me call my Cardinal fan <laughs> friends here to find out. Yeah, we definitely know it's on the tip of their tongue. <laughs> um, what are they going to do now? They'll be like – Oh, one year since you won, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. No, I've heard, like, Cardinal fans being like, oh, yeah, sure, the Cubs needed to end the drought, so they just went out and bought it. It's like, what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let them think what they want. I mean, you know, they're, they're – they're, um, Cardinal fans don't have easy lives outside of baseball, so I'm well, trying – And really, that's kind be... of what, like – that's what the America is now. You just – whatever narrative you have in your head – you just say it, and you say it's true, and then it's true. Truthiness, I believe, is the term. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, what do you think that because this weight is lifted out, I mean, do you feel I mean, do you feel there's a dynasty coming our way? Uh, I mean, how confident do you feel? And what does that mean if we were to have a Cubs dynasty? What does that mean for our identity as Cub fans, you know, in our like baseball tribal way of kind right. of all thinking the same thing all the time or like, what does that mean for us? Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. I should say. Yeah. And that's interesting because um, we're actually going to do an episode uh, on IVMV of like, what is as Cubs fans, what is our identity now? It's changed. And what, what is it? Like, what, what are we? Um, but you know, I I think that you would have to believe that this is set up to be a dynasty. I mean, it would take I'm not saying that they would win every year and maybe, you know, I in my opinion, if they get into the playoffs, if they get deep in the playoffs for a number of years in a row and maybe only win one other World Series or two other ones, like I still think this is a dynasty. Like this is a a team that just you know, has the, it looks like the, uh, the epitome of a dynasty team, young, uh, incredible talent and, and there for a while. It's like the, but, it feels like the Yankees of the nineties kind of, and I, obviously I wasn't around for like the Yankees of the thirties or the forties or whatever. But, right. But, it, but I did, I was in New York for a lot of those Yankees teams and man, they just drafted well and had a kick-ass teams after being pretty bad in the eighties. Yeah, and I think it's going to be weird as Cubs fans because we will be hated like the Yankees were. Like, we already kind of are. Um, It didn't take long. Actually, it didn't even take a World Series win. It took the Cubs actually getting attention to to have people hate us. (laughs) I know. Yeah, and and it's only going to get worse. Like, the hype around this team is not going away. They're going to be on Sunday Night Baseball probably like three-quarters of the Sundays. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously that's an exaggeration, but I mean, for as much as for years and years, we were sick of 
the Red Sox Yankees being on Sunday oh, night God. baseball, it's going to be the Cubs and it's going to be uh forced down it, you know, all of baseball fans throats. And um, I don't know, like I'm fine with that. Hate us, you yeah. know, like I'm tired of being the lovable losers. Go ahead and hate us. Hate, hate, hate the Cubs for winning. Hate Cubs fans for being the fans of a winning team. That's fine by me. Yeah. I, I had an idea today because somebody had put the, you know, the best fans in baseball said this. And I was thinking about this, uh, you know, I, concept of, you know, what we are as Cub fans now. And if the, if the Cardinals fans are the BFIBs, maybe we can just delineate ourselves. And it really is a license to kill if we call ourselves the worst fans in baseball. <laughs> and we're just yeah. the WFIB, WFIB, and we'll just be that. And then it's just like everywhere I go, I'm just a prick because I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> like it yeah. just it might be fun. I don't know if, if it really works on all of us or even on me personally. Um I, I just think we're headed into like uncharted waters. You know, like like we don't know what our identity is. We don't know how to see ourselves right now. Other baseball fans don't know how to view us. They don't know how to view our team. It's just like I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in it. I mean, it's funny to talk to uh, Lyle on on the show about his experience being a Red Sox fan and, you know, laughing at me and Michael as we're like, did you see the Cubs were on a talk show? <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, that's what happens when you win the World Series. They go on talk shows. You know, right. like, why? I didn't even notice that. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, well, it's still like, you know, yesterday David Ross was on the MLB Network. And, like, it's all over my Facebook. Like, everybody's like, David Ross is going to be on the MLB Network. And it's like, how weird. You know, I mean, but I still feel like that way, you know, I still feel that way. We're like, if the Cubs get any attention, it's like, Hey, look at that. That's our guy. That's, you know, our player. He's, uh, you know, look at that. We got a Sports Illustrated cover. That's amazing. Yeah, I, it really is. I mean, because it's all very new to us and we're just kind of learning about how to be successful. You know, yeah. it's 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 like we're in Trading Places, that movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. And I don't know if you ever saw it. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, ripped out of the gutter where we're and uh, and given a mansion. We're like, wow, what is what is this like? Look at this. This this toilet flushes. <laughs> exactly. We're like Crocodile Dundee, like drinking out of the bidet or something. Right. right. OK, so I have a question for you then. I mean, you go you, you obviously live near Wrigley Field. You go to a lot more games than I do. So, like, I mean, since we're kind of on the topic of like things changing, um, you know, okay, so the uh, the CBA was uh, agreed upon by both sides, and uh, now home field advantage is no longer determined by the winner of the All Star oh, game, which God. I think is great. Yeah, but I think that I'm not sure that the Cubs win the World Series this year if they have home field advantage. I'm positive uh, they don't. So, okay, so so to to go along with that, um, do you feel like? because the Cubs lost the world or won the world series because they did it in such like a kind of magical way in, in where like this is how it would normally fall apart, but instead it went our way. Yeah. So do you think that, I mean, I think, you know, we're done. I don't think we should really need to hear any more about the curse, you know, 1908, uh, the goat Bartman, any of that stuff, like that's all gone. It's all wiped away. Do you think that next year, like let's say in the playoffs, Cubs have home field advantage in the World Series. Will there still be 
Like, is it so much of who we are as Cubs fans that that tension will still be there and we will still be waiting for things to go wrong? Or do you think we've been able to shed it all and we can be like a normal fan base who is <laughs> nervous in those situations but not expecting failure? Right. I, I, I do think that there might be a change. I, I mean, I hope there is. I, having gone to the first two games of the World Series at Wrigley Field, I – Granted, I was. Those were frustrating games. You lose the first one, one nothing. You get blown out in the in the second home game. Uh, you know what? What I felt from the crowd was a hell of a lot of excitement, almost almost fake excitement. Like we're here. This is the first game at Wrigley Field, and it's just like it's false. It's it's like when they kept cheering Javi Baez every time he came up, and Javi Baez is the kind of guy that it's it's too much for him. And then right. you know yeah. he can't he can't deal with it. He's like, I must hit an eight run homer right now, you know. And I feel like the Cub fans were just expecting this moment. And my friend Paul, who paid twenty five hundred dollars for his ticket, when the Cubs lost, I saw him after the game. He's like, Well, I'll never do that again. That was a valuable <laughs> lesson. <laughs> and he and he left. <laughs> and he left. And he didn't go out that for was drinks. Not, that was nine innings of baseball, yep. just like it is just in June. Just like it is. I, I learned a lesson never to pay $2,500 for a baseball game anymore. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, but, you know, to me it's like I feel like the fans, I kept wanting to scream at everybody to settle the fuck down. Like I wanted to – I mean, just there was a dude that chewed his lip off next to me. There was another guy – on the, my other side that, uh, you know, I'm kind of shooting the shit like I always do at the game. And at some point I realized that he did not want me to talk to him anymore. Like he's like, right. no, this is way too important. This man has to shut up and blah, blah, blah. You know? And it was just like, dude, like everybody's got to chill out. I realize a lot of people spent a lot of money to be at this baseball game, but I really feel like after winning that maybe some of those people, I, I don't. Maybe they don't. They don't renew their season tickets. They're like, oh well, we we caught it, we saw it. You know, it's yeah. done. I think there's a. Ch- uh, you have a lot more bandwagon people coming on, which I think is good because they've never. Maybe they don't even know. Just like the players don't know about curses and stuff. Like they're like curses. Well, who would fucking believe in that? That's stupid. You right. know, right. and it is stupid. Even though we're gonna probably still have to hear about it. By the way. I bet you they'll be like, the formerly cursed Cubs. <laughs> they, they used to have goats. They used to have Bart. Like, we have to win, like, three more for them to be like, oh, I guess there's no curse. No, they'll just, like, if something goes wrong in 2017, that'll be the, the, the beginning of the new curse. The new curse, yeah, yeah. The, the old curse was broken. Now it's the new curse. Yeah. I mean, and Cub fans, I mean, it's like I do, you know, talking about the identity of the team. I, I know that they don't want to be losers anymore. I know that nobody w- is going to go out there and be like, oh, I hope we lose. But I think that there's a lot of in our kind of DNA as a fan base that is going to be harder to get rid of than just simply winning the World Series. So I'm hopeful that it sh- starts to change now, but I'm not expecting an overnight miracle. Well, yeah, what I'm kind of hoping for is that people understand that things go wrong for every baseball team. There are 29 teams that don't win the World Series every year, (laughs) and there is a team that loses the World Series every year. 
And that doesn't mean they're cursed. It doesn't mean that there's something innately wrong with their franchise. Uh, it doesn't mean that history is against them or anything like that. Like sometimes you get to the World Series and you just lose because there can only be one team that wins. And I kind of hope that we get there as a fan base. Like, you know, I, I think you watch any – you could watch uh, the, the, the uh, you know, the Cardinals – Play, or the Giants playing the Red Sox, you know, two teams that have had a lot of success in the last 10 years in a game seven in a world series, or really in any game in the world series, I still think you're going to see people with their hands up to their faces. You're going to see people pacing. You're going to see, you know, that same thing that like, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, look at that Cubs fan, you know, being nervous. I think you see that in every fan base because these games do matter and you're nervous. And the camera finds you. Yeah, I mean, the, right. the camera is right. specifically looking for people doing that. So, like, the one person is now, like, the quintessential Cub fan or the quintessential Indians fan or whatever, right. you know? So it's, it's But I a, honestly think that, like, you could find a, a Cardinals fan or a Giants fan or a Red Sox fan doing that same thing because oh, sure. they're nervous about the game. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Every every World Series, they find that person. I think I think what bugged me about it, because I, I, I spoke out a lot against it, is just don't be that guy is was always right. my point and it's just like i i would like us to be a really confident fan base um i like i being in new york for so long and living there the yankees are were an incredibly confident fan base and right. and as annoying as that kind of can be when you're not a yankees fan and you're living there um it's it's more what i want for us than to then the other side of it. So if we have to like, you know, to me it's like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. So maybe if we can start the process of instilling confidence within in ourselves and then our team uh and I don't know how much cheering or whatever. I mean the players are at least give lip service to the concept that all oh, the fans were there for us all year, but they probably have to say that, right? Um I'm sure it's like in the well, guidelines. Well, Indians, the Indians wouldn't have said that if they won because their fans weren't there for them all year. <laughs> no, they weren't. I, I just actually looked it up to try. I was writing uh, jokes for uh, my day job, and um, I l- had to look up who had the the attendance. And the Indians, I believe, were the bottom three. Yeah, I think there attendance. were 28 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, Rays, of course, last. And so they made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they got in the joke. um it was actually a joke about the uh, World Series uh, not being decided by – or the home field not being decided by the All-Star game anymore. And I said, and this will make no difference to all 237 Rays fans. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then I, I put an alternate line in there because the Mariners have never been to the World Series that, you know, this will no, make no difference to the Mariners. I, I didn't know what was funny, funnier, the Rays or the Mariners. So I, I let my boss decide. Yeah, I think the Rays. Yeah, I thought so too. I, I mean, I, just because it's Tampa. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I, I I keep forgetting they have a team. To be honest, if it wasn't for Ben Zobrist having been on that team in the past and Joe Madden managing managing them before, I don't think I'd even re- recall them as a team. Right. Yeah, and I mean, man, towards I mean, in September it looked like the the uh, Mariners might work their way into the playoffs. I was really hoping for that. I would have loved to have seen the Cubs and the Mariners play. Yeah. Um, that's another I team know. I forget that exists. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like a baseball town. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Um, tell that to Ichiro, though. 
Yeah, and I've never been to Seattle, so I guess I shouldn't decide whether or not they're a baseball town. They have a magical space needle. So, but so here's my next question for you, because you know, obviously, we're talking a lot about what it is to be a Cub fan, but if you could wave a magic wand and just change one thing overall about the Cubs or their fans or Wrigley Field or anything that about the Cubs, what would that thing be? Hmm. Man, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't, uh, it's, it's hard to like, I like our history. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that I enjoyed losing or I enjoyed the fact that they went 108 years without a world series win, but I think it's really cool that I got to witness, uh, you know, I was a fan when they won the world series and I think it just made it, I mean, obviously, I, I guess I feel bad for everyone that never got to see them win. But I just think, like, that is a very, I think that's one of the biggest stories in sports history. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't want to change that just because I think it's so unique and it's so, you know, really bizarre when you sit down and think about it. it it's, um, it's uncannily bizarre. In fact, it, I mean, to go that long I mean, even a blind squirrel gets a nut. You know what I mean? Right. And you look at like that they had good teams, you know, not not for very large chunks of time. They did not have good teams. But I mean, you know, you look back at that 69 team and uh, that seems like a team that should have won the World Series. Um, five, I don't know. Five like, future Hall of Famers on that team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Um, boy, I, I honestly am not real sure what I would. I mean, my the the magic wand uh, that I would wave would be like uh, very minor things that really don't matter. Like I would love for the uh, Cubs low A affiliates to still be in Peoria, which is about a half hour away from me, instead of in South Bend. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is quite. Further. I would love to go to Wrigley Field and not have to stare at a pole. Yeah, that's um, that's one of my main ones. I'm like, could you do something about the poles? Like, don't come on, Rick. It's hire your best uh, engineer. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, um, you know, admittedly, I keep up with a lot of the Wrigley renovations, but I think if there's still like as many as as many obstructed views as there is right now, when they're done renovating, then I don't think that they did a very good renovation. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think those poles are are just completely structural. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't. I mean, I'm sure if there's a way to get rid of that, they would, but. Um, you know, I, I got to go to games one and two of the NLCS and I was, uh, behind a pole in both games, which I was glad to be there. I didn't really mind, but it would have been nice to be able to see the whole field. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So I, I honestly, I can't think of anything like drastic that I would change other than, uh, maybe that I would finally, uh, have the opportunity to purchase season tickets. That would be a magic, uh, I, I would wave my magic wand for that to happen because I feel like I've been on the waiting list for way too long. How long have you been on? Well, I think I got on. It's weird because I know people that have, that were on the list after me and had, and have season tickets right now. Um, I think I got on the list. It was either in 07 or 08 because it was when I tried to buy playoff tickets and I couldn't get them. And I just went ahead and signed up for the season ticket uh, waiting list, which I mean, nine years or whatever, it's, it doesn't seem like, I mean, that's not that long, but on the other hand, it's weird that I, I know people that signed up in like 
2011 that and got have season tickets. It's it the the list is is total bullshit, and I can vouch for that because my number went up. Yeah, mine did too one year. Yeah, yeah. My number just went up within the last year, so I was I was down. I was like down in the twenty thousandth. Now I'm like thirty five thousand. I'm like, well, what the hell happened? You know, the um, I I'm not sure, but I do think some people may give up their tickets. Because if there's one thing I know, I mean, the World Series is always going to be an expensive place to get in if you don't have season tickets, um, but it's not going to be the price as it was this last year. Right, yeah, and I haven't really considered that because I thought like, oh, it's going to be really hard to get season tickets now because the Cubs are actually good. I mean, one thing is like your tickets are going to be easier to sell throughout the season. But I think that there were people that had season tickets just waiting for that payday. Yeah, and and it and to be honest, to a lot of people I talked to were a little disappointed in the payday. Yeah, yeah, like they because they well, had, it was they it was so blown out of proportion. I mean, it was like these tickets are going to be worth ten thousand dollars. Yeah, well, that's the that's the dream that everybody had, and it didn't didn't come didn't come out that way. You know, I mean, I certainly wasn't going to pay that. I didn't pay that for any ticket that I went. I went for mostly face value. So yeah, but that's just from knowing people. So. Um, yeah, I think people might give them up now, so maybe we'll get down the list a little bit. And I'm trying to find my password right now so I can check to see where I'm at, but I don't know where I put my password. Imagine you log in, you're like, "Congratulations, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've got season tickets," and then you get them, and uh, you know, Kyle Schwarber and uh, Anthony Rizzo get in a car accident the first day of the season out for the year. <laughs> well, from from November of 2014 to March of 2016. I went down 18,000. Wow. So in March of 2016, I was at 28,309. So, I mean, that still feels like I'm pretty far off. You're at 10,000 right now? 20. Oh, you're at 20. So you were at 38? I was at, no, okay. Let me, okay. Now I have it in front of me. <laughs> uh, I, I was at 46. Okay. In 2014. And. In uh, earlier this year, I was at 28. Well, see, now this is proof positive, man. I signed up, I want to say, in 2011 or something like that. And I started out on the list under like at like 31,000 or something like that. Right. So what I'm saying is like my starting point was under your 2011 moment. Like, you're, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's it is not equitable. I think that I mean, I don't know how they do it because I certainly buy enough tickets from the Cubs that you would think that they'd like let me have a ticket at this point. But Well, and that's one thing like I seem to remember you kind of like filling out a little bit of a questionnaire when you first did it. Like you remember when you went to buy playoff tickets last year in 2015, you had to fill out like a little questionnaire thing. Mhm. And, you know, like I think they asked you like you know, would you buy from concessions or would you bring your own food? Like, it seemed like they asked I, I remember that. questions. Yeah, I remember that. And, and so I'm thinking about, like, if I filled out a questionnaire in 2007 or 2008, well, my situation is a lot different now than it was then. Right. So you're so back, you know, I mean, back then you're like, I sack I, lunch every day. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I may have put like they may have asked you, like, hey, how many games a week do you plan to get to and how many would you plan to sell and i was probably an idiot like oh i go once a week (laughs) you know (laughs) we're like i don't know so 
I'm not, and you can't, I've tried to see if there's a way to go in and like adjust if there was that little questionnaire thing to update something, but there's nothing there. So yeah, I'm looking at it now. I haven't changed, you know, I don't think it's moved since March. So I'm at 28,000. Hmm. Yeah, I actually could check mine again. It's been a while, but uh, I got a couple more questions. If you got time, I know you got to take off. Sure. Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. Um, so we kind of brought it up with the Mariners. Uh, but if, if you could be a fan of any other baseball team in the in like the same way you're a fan of the Cubs. Now, granted, there would have to, you know, obviously you're a fan because of family history and being from where you're from. But like, you know, doing the same thing for another team, uh, like podcasting, throwing events, all the things that you do around this team. What other team kind of intrigues you as to like, you know, being a part of their fan base and and narrative and tribal fan thing what what team intrigues you other team yeah that's that's a good question i think i mean in a way um man okay so let me think about this i mean on one hand it would be fun to to you know pick a team that is traditionally successful maybe a bigger market or whatever on the other hand it would be kind of fun to to do like a podcast and be involved in the way that I am for a team that really has no, not that much interest, like the Rays or something like that. You'd be, um, you'd be you know, the most popular Rays fan ever. Opportunities. Oh yeah. There'd be, t- I mean, you would have thrown out the first pitch every day. They would have given you season You're tickets, right. <laughs> you know, just for doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But then you have to consider the fact that what, uh, you know, any other team except for the Cardinals would be, you know, uh, uh pretty far away for me so there would be that distance right but, but if there if that wasn't uh, like let's say you're from tampa or like you know you, right. you say i'm from tampa so i i i caught on with the rays when they first became a team and uh, now i just like them you know yeah yeah i i think um you know one team that i really kind of and part of it is because they were going through a rebuild right at, right at the same time as the cubs um it hasn't turned out as well for them yet i mean it still could is the astros and I think that uh, that would have been kind of, a, you know, that's a team that there's interest there. Houston is a, is a big area, but they don't have uh, Cubs type interest or, or Yankees or Red Sox or even Dodgers or anything like that, you know. Um, so I think following a team like that would be kind of interesting, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. You know, I think it'd be you because it seems like you could get a lot of bang for your buck. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Where, whereas we have access to, I mean, how many Cubs podcasts are there right now? Ten, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know probably all the ones that there are, but um, but there's a lot of us, and and you know, Cubs fans being a major city, there's a lot of talented media type of people sure. who follow the team. Which on the one hand is awesome, you know. I mean, like as a fan, I love having you know being able to read like what what Brett Taylor writes and what Evan Altman, you know, sure. like I love being able to follow Sahad of Sharma, like those writers. I love that. And, um, you know, if you look at going for a smaller market team, I'm not positive that there's that type of blogger talent yeah. because you're not going to get that kind of writing out of the beat reporters. Yeah. You just end up reading like the Astros version of Kerry Musket all the time, <laughs> getting <laughs> yeah. all your information from the Astros, Kerry Musket. <laughs> yeah. That's a special kind of hell, Corey. That's a special kind of hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what, 
what would do would you envision for like the future of IVNV? Like, so if you could, if you could say like where you'd want to be in ten years, uh. I mean, do you want to finally win one of those damn podcast awards that you're always nominated for? <laughs> like, like what, what exactly, like, how do you see yourself growing? I mean, podcast or podcast and you either just keep doing it and maybe you get more Patreons or like, what is it that you kind of want to, what w- would like to envision if you could just like fast forward 10 years? What would so you you're going to, uh, you're going to expose me for not having a vision for IBM. Um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of enjoy the fact that we're like the Susan Lucci of sports podcasts, and that we are always nominated yet never win. I, I enjoy that. Um, I'd like to keep that going. Uh, I you know what's here's what IVMV is to me. IVMV is a, a, an excuse slash opportunity for me to hang out and talk about the Cubs with my friends, and. Um, and it's it's um, allowed me to develop a lot of friendships that I value greatly, and I think will be there um, even when the podcast isn't. Whenever that happens, and um, I think that's all I want. You know, I want I I don't I don't necessarily want it to become like a full time job. I enjoy what I do. Otherwise, um, I I don't know if I I enjoy not having the pressure of this being a, a full-time thing that as just a side gig that I do and something that I do for fun means that if I mess up or if I'm wrong, I don't really care because I'm just doing this for fun. You know, somebody can like call me out for saying something stupid and being wrong. And it's like, yep, you're right. Why don't you start a podcast? Yeah. You know, like I, I, I like that freedom. Um, and so I, I, I really just, I love what we're doing. I've had so much fun with it and this is what I want it to be. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. It's, there's a lot of pressure. Like if you're like one of the national media people and you say something ridiculous or, or offensive, you know, or right. something that is just not going to play to a national audience. And, you know, you went to journalism school and all this stuff. You know, you can ruin your whole career in a tweet. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I, I kind of hear you is that there's something to being on the I guess it's not really the underground because, you know, it's obviously all out there, you know, for yeah. every and you have what thousands of listeners right now. And and you've met a lot of them at this point. So I think that's a beautiful sent- sentiment to just kind of like it how it is. Yeah. And, and I mean, like maybe at different points, I, you know, had higher aspirations, you know, like, oh, maybe I think we can do this full time. Let's start working towards this and that. And I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, the money that we bring in, the Patreon support and everything. Like we just invest it right back into it. I want to throw parties for our listeners. I want to meet people. You know, like I want to be able to travel to the different towns, you know, like I love, you know, I'm going to San Diego next week for work uh, and I have to go to a conference out there. And so while I'm out there, I'm meeting IBM listeners. I, I've had to go. I've gone to like, I don't know, three conferences or whatever this fall. And it's awesome to be able to just say on the podcast, hey, I'm going to be in Oklahoma. Hey, I'll be here. I'll be, you know, I'll be in San Diego. Uh, if you're there, I don't have anything to do. So let's hang out. Yeah. And I just think like to have like, it's pretty amazing that this thing has led to me being able to have friends all over the country that the I world. have someone to hang out with when I go to 
places where I otherwise wouldn't know anyone. Yeah, it, it, it really is a beautiful thing. And, you know, that a lot of that comes from being a Cubs fan. I don't know you if you get that from being an Astros fan. You know, if if you're an Astros fan, I don't think you get to go to, like, North Dakota and find an Astros fan. Right, but, yeah. Uh, the beauty of being a Cubs fan and being somebody that's so out there in Cubs fandom is that, yeah, it, it's there's a, a huge network of A Cubs fans thanks to WGN and, I don't know, people that like losing teams for <laughs> years and years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a great thing. And I, I, I know I personally appreciate, like, all that you've done for community building within our and kind of our little world. And it's just, um, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. I, I, I started, I mean, I've always been a Cubs fan, but starting, uh, when I moved back here, not really knowing what to expect and not really knowing, um, too many people in Chicago, except for people I went to high school with and my family, um, you know, I wasn't really sure who I was going to meet here. And it's amazing. I've met more people of varied interests and uh, occupations and uh, I, I, I guess personality types uh, through being a Cubs fan than I ever did being an artist or a musician where everybody thinks the same fucking thing. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And that's something that's really neat, too, is like when I meet listeners, I think it's awesome because it's like, you know what? We probably wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for the Cubs, which I think is a really cool thing because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helped me grow as a person to to surround myself with people that it's like we don't have anything else in common except for the cubs but then we've just that's allowed us to become friends or allowed us to discover that there are actually other things that we have in common and i just i think it's you know it's such a you know or or it's really neat to to have the cubs in common with someone and then you know you dig in you know after hanging out a few times, you're like, oh, you were into this band in the 90s? Oh, so was I, you know? And it's like, <laughs> that's kind of a neat thing, too. So You like the uh, Spice Girls, too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, when, you, when you get me and Stephen Wade together, we just talk about the Spice Girls. <laughs> uh, what was their big hit? If you want to be my lover, right, yeah. gotta get with my friends. Um yeah, well, I, I think that's a, probably a good place to end it. But before, <laughs> with the Spice Girls is usually how I like to end my shows. <laughs> but uh, I thought I'd play another game with you. Um, but before I do, I wanted just, if anybody gets this, my band's playing at the Laughing Stock Comedy Music Festival in Chicago at Elbow Room on Saturday night, which is in just two days. So that's December 3rd. Um, we're on at, after 11 we're called Bad Teenage Mustache. If anybody asks who you're there to see, tell them it's it's Bad Teenage Mustache because it makes us look good. Um, so come on out, anybody that gets this right now. Um, and you have to be in Chicago, obviously. Uh, maybe I'll try to live stream that. I, I actually hate that. I feel like I'm dumbing down the art of playing live. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But I, unfortunately, like, I mean, there's um, – as a you know a parent of two children i don't i'm not able to go do things anymore i'm not able to go watch live music and so every once in a while when i have the opportunity to watch a a, a show you know live streamed i actually kind of appreciate it because it's like yeah I, I mean it's not like that's keeping me from it's not like oh should i go to this now i'll sit at home and watch it you yeah. know it's like it's almost like letting me experience something that i otherwise wouldn't be able to that's a good point, and I don't know if uh, Laughing Stock. The I don't. I haven't really perused their website too much. They may be live streaming it themselves. 
through their yeah. Facebook page. So, which means I don't have to set up my shit. But um, either way, that's what's happening on Saturday night. If they're not doing it, I will attempt to have the presence of mind to set up my. It's not part of my like setup or like getting ready. And I've done it a few times, but I've always been unhappy with the sound quality. And I'm just like, ah, people aren't getting it. You know, I've, I, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm a, a purist in that way. That right. I'm like, yeah. actually show the fuck up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that too. Yeah. yeah. But um, but I get but I also get how I'm 42 years old and all my friends have young children and cannot show the fuck up. <laughs> so uh, uh, any and I'm and I have no business being up there trying to be a rock star at age 42 either. So, I, I can't wait for my kids to be old enough to stay at home so I can be the 50 year old guy at punk shows. Yeah, no, that well, I, I punk rock is dead at this point. It'll be only be 50 year olds. <laughs> True, yeah. Your kids would be like, Dad, turn off that old shit. And you're like, Are you kidding me? This is bad religion, motherfucker. <laughs> you know. So, um so last question, and it's are you are you familiar with the game Fuck Kill Mary? Uh I, I don't know if I've ever played it, but I guess I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's basically uh, of the three things I give you, or people in this case, um, okay. who who would you fuck, who would you kill, and who would you marry? Okay, and uh, those three people are Kurt, (laughs) Andy, Tom Ricketts. Oh man, (laughs) you got to kill one. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) this is so hard. Well, um, oh man, this this is harder than I thought it would be. I thought you were going to give me like Solaire and Baez that I, you know, <laughs> Do you want me I to make ex- it easier? <laughs> well, I really, what I want to know, cause I know you'll kill, kill Tom Ricketts cause you don't know him. No, I want to marry into that money. <laughs> so, so, so you're going to marry Tom Ricketts. All right. So that's out there. So you get to either fuck, fuck Kurt or Andy or kill Kurt or Andy. <laughs> 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 oh man no no granted this is not a legally binding thing i should i you don't actually have to do this okay. you know just so your your dad who thinks you're a terrorist doesn't get the wrong idea <laughs> i knew it i knew it <laughs> it's like i knew it i knew it he was this whole time um, oh man okay so i'm gonna kill <laughs> oh, shit. i'm going to kill first <laughs> uh because I think he would understand. <laughs> like right before you stab, you're like, he's like, I get it, brother. I think I think I would have to kill Andy. Ooh, wow. All right. Well, I mean, I just think you know. First off, I've never been with a tall man, so <laughs> that's why I would lean towards Kurt. And you're like, I've already fucked Andy, so there was. I don't want to. I don't want to relive that. There was that one night when we kind of broke back mountain a bit, and (laughs) and I've always had a curiosity about Kurt. Healthy. Well, I mean, Kurt has two kids. Yeah, yeah. So you know he's good for it. Right. Well, and I mean, like you know, uh, I I think that. uh, By the way, Beth could. I think Beth could single parent it. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh man, I love going off the rails. That's a hell of a good time. 
I, I knew that would be a very uncomfortable. I'm I'm sweating, Corey. I'm I'm red. I'm, my palms are sweaty. Like I didn't even at a point. I just wanted you to bail. I just wanted you to be like. <laughs> I just wanted you to do that thing that they do in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he's like he can't hear Dottie on the phone, and he's like, <laughs> "Sorry, Dottie, bad connection." <laughs> you know, bye. You know. Yeah. Um, now, if you would have said Todd Ricketts, oh, yeah. then then it would have been easier, but. You know, I'm looking at if I marry Tom Ricketts, first off, I got that Ameritrade money. Yeah. And the front uh, row front row seats. Right. And I yeah, yeah. So I can take myself off the season ticket waiting list. Um <laughs> I could probably record Ivy Envy from the owner's suite. Oh that, um, that's a perspective that uh Cub fans are looking for too. Right, yeah. And what are uh, the owners thinking about is <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> So man, I, I uh if it was Todd it would have been easier, but Well this is one of those questions that I think the more you explain your answers, the worse it's gonna get. So <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll probably just end it there. But um hey, thanks for coming on uh the Sunranto off season interview podcast i'm sure just being that it's it's the sun ranto show that we at least got four hours out of this interview i haven't looked at the time yet but i'm pretty sure i, I, I would i'm i think we're about in an hour and a half yes this was a this was a this was a short one yeah this is a short one well you know it's funny it's i looked at uh kind of our stats the other day our longest episodes most listens <laughs> I'm like, oh, apparently we just have to just I, maybe we should just go live all the time. Well, just, you don't know, but you don't know if they finished them. Oh, I'm positive they did not finish them. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I barely finished them. I barely finished recording them, let alone uh, and no, no, I, I don't I don't make it through anybody's podcast. I make it through your guys podcast, you know, and it usually takes me two sittings because I'm, you know, crazy and can't do more one thing for more than 20 minutes except apparently record a podcast right yeah this is this is what this is your uh you know this is your your the thing that you it's like therapeutic for you yeah it's like oh i can communicate in a normal fashion yeah it's true i mean i basically go into a pit of depression every time there's not a record button pressed so, <laughs> so that's why I keep that. That's why I keep I'm like, look, I'm still, I already ended the podcast. I still got you on. <laughs> you know, right. I was like, Don't and, go, and then, Corey. Like, wait. <laughs> Don't go. Yeah. You, you just walk around your, your, your place there. Um, like practicing, interviewing people, like playing both sides of it. You know, <laughs> I interview my neighbor's dog. It's on the porch. I'm like, <laughs> so, you know. Do you enjoy the crunchy kind of kibble or do you like the soft kind of mushy kind that comes from a can? (laughs) Oh, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I love the Ivy Envy show. I never miss an episode. And um, for the two listeners that don't listen to Ivy Envy and also listen to Sunranto, check out Ivy Envy. They're a hell of a good show. And, uh, you know, even though Andy's been recently killed, uh, I'm sure they're still going to do a great job with just uh, Corey and Kurt. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to find a replacement. Yeah, so, um, yeah, actually, I, I, on the last episode, I believe Kurt got fired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's a solo. Show <laughs> it's a now. solo. It's just you, baby. Maybe Kurt will come back. Yeah. Well, look, you I'll might have. have... To t- look, Kurt. There have been some unforeseen, uh, you know, occurrences, developments, and I'd like to to pull back that uh, pink slip that I gave you. 
Yeah, well, I love, I actually love all of them, and I love Kurt, and I love Andy too, and as people as well. And I'd love to get them on this interview show before it's all all said and done. Yeah, I I, I want to listen to that. Yeah. Oh, I bet I bet you do. Just so you can <laughs> just, just so you can yeah. pick them apart on the next uh, sun uh, on the next IVMV show. Right. I know they would both kill me. That's another reason that I felt comfortable saying Andy because I know he killed me. <laughs> it would just, he wouldn't even like equivocate about it for even no, five no. seconds. He'd be like, "Finally, yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting for a reason." <laughs> so, well, um, thanks for coming on, and uh, I guess uh, as we say around here, spagog, spagog. When I lay down with my baby late at night, underneath Chicago's light polluted sky. We snuggle up to my iPhone and open up an app. You know what app I'm talking about. Set me free, IVNV, talking cubbies. You're so much better than TV. Kurt and Corey, laugh with Andy. You are my favorite Cubs-related podcast. I don't want to marginal analysis, drinking Archie's little beer, hoping it'll be our year. IVNV, 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 playing Chuck Mangione. They'll even take you fishing. One of them lives out on a lake. Cubbies, you're so much better than TV. Kurt and Corey, laugh with Andy. You are my favorite Cubs related podcasters. This is Andrew Bellison, the voice of Wrigley Field, and you're listening to the IBNB podcast. In this episode of Chicken, Beer, Fish Queen, Baseball Cards, Muscle Flexes, Scary Cats, Strong Opinion, Marginal Analysis. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Corey. Hello, it's Andy. And there are 25 chickens a few feet away from me. And there's a dead mouse under there. <laughs> and, uh, and play Chuck Mangione. Whiskey and ginger ale is all I know. Great <laughs> <laughs> an incredible start. So thank you for listening, and until this weekend, go Cubs. Is this guy a Puritan? <laughs> You're so much better than TV. Curtin Corey, laugh with Andy. You are my favorite cubs related. I don't ever want to miss marginal analysis. Drinking our teas in a beer, hoping it'll be a year. IBNB, 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 playing Chuck McGillney.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. 
Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.